Good morning. In fact, it's not morning, is it? Good evening. It's good to see you all. And it's good for, to welcome those of you who are joining us online. In our household or in our family, there's probably one thing that can be guaranteed to get a, a high level of enthusiasm, certainly from some members of the family, myself included. And that's saying, we're going out for food. And I, I think for many of us, that, that's, that's a, a something that we look forward to, we enjoy, and gives us a bit of a sparkle. Well, in, in the passage that we're looking at, we're going to be looking at a choice between food and other stuff. And I was thinking about what we heard this morning, about how Isaiah had something better than food in the sense that he got surprised by meeting God. And wouldn't it be great if we got that sense of God's greatness and goodness so that we lost our appetite for everything apart from him? And it's great that we come to a God not just who's great, holy, but a God who loves us and gives us so many good things. And we're going to sing about that in our first, first song. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? Let's stand and sing when the music starts.
when Jesus was on this earth, there was a bit of a problem. Uh, the Jews had some neighbours called the Samaritans, and they didn't like them very much at all. In fact, most good Jews would go fairly long detour to avoid going through Samaritan territory. Uh, but Jesus and his disciples decided to go through there. And they were tired, or Jesus was tired, and hungry. And Jesus sits down by a well and sends his disciples off to get some food. And he meets a local Samaritan lady. She's come to the well to get water. And they're having a discussion about what satisfies. And Jesus says he's the one who can give water that satisfies. He then shows the woman how amazing he is by telling her some of her secrets that she'd really rather not have published. She then turns to Jesus and says, I can see you're a prophet. Now, our ancestors worshipped God here in this mountain. You Jews say it should be Jerusalem. Answer me the question, where should we go? And that leads us into the passage from God's word that we're going to be reading now, which is in John chapter 4, and we're starting reading at 21. So Jesus had this conversation with the lady. The lady's asked him this question, and this is how Jesus answers. So Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming, where neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone bought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do, not, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labour. Others have laboured and you have entered into their labour. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him. Because of the woman's testimony, he told me all that I ever did. So when Samaritans came to him, 
They asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the saviour of the world. It's a great discovery for them to make. A great discovery that many of us know. And if we know that, we can say that the Lord is our shepherd. And we're going to be singing that in our next song. Let's pray. Oh Lord, our God, we ask that as we come now, that you'll send your spirit and help us to pray to you. Oh Lord, we ask that you will help us to see that you give us everything we need. That we can look to you to give us a feast in the presence of our enemies. 
we can look to you to give us peace in the biggest storms of life. And Father, we thank you that you tell us to come to you and to ask because you delight to give good gifts to your children. And Lord, we thank you you proved that by sending your only son so that anyone, whoever trusts in him, can be forgiven, can be welcomed into your royal family, can be sure of acceptance, can be sure of your love. And if you gave us your son, oh Lord, we thank you that your word tells us that we can be confident that you will give us everything we need. And Lord, something that we all need is that confidence that when our lives are ended, it will be well with us. Oh Lord, we we know that there are things in our lives that we are ashamed of. We know that we are afraid to die on our own. We have a sense that justice will be done. But we thank you that Jesus came so that there is a wonderful hope that the price for our sins have been paid and we can be forgiven. Oh Lord, we thank you that as the funeral of our dear sister Kathleen is coming up, that there is no nice words that the preacher must say to be kind to the relatives, but that there is a glorious hope that she is now with the Saviour that she loves. And we thank you that that is true not only for her, but for everyone who trusts in you. And Lord, as your word tells us, that it's better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. Lord, I pray that as in our country we are in a time of mourning, it will be a time where we think about our destiny, our end. And we ask, as we were reminded to, we pray, oh Lord, that the good news of Jesus will be preached in our country, particularly at the Queen's funeral service. Oh Lord, we do ask that the truth, that there is a hope, that there is a saviour, will be loudly and clearly proclaimed and that many will hear. Oh Lord, we do thank you that over the, uh, the whole world, Your good news is being spread and that many, many people are finding that joy and peace that we've sung about. And Lord, we pray for James and Rachel as they plan to go back to Cyprus. Oh Lord, they've been away for weeks and we pray that you will help them to get back into serving you in that church there. And that many people on that island will turn to you, that the good news of Jesus will be successfully spread. And Lord, as many of our families have people going away to university or to different parts of the country, oh Lord, we pray especially for for the students. We ask, Lord, that at this uh, critical time in their lives, they will make good choices, that they will find places to learn about you, as well as learning about the other stuff they learn. That they will know you, that you will speak to them as they're making choices from themselves without the influence of their parents so much. 
Oh Lord, we thank you that for many it's been a great time. And Lord, we do pray that you will bless each one of those going away from us. And Lord, we pray for those of us who are older. Oh Lord, we pray that you will give us a really good appetite. Oh Lord, you know how often we get distracted and we think that our satisfaction will come from our work, from our family, from our friends, from our entertainment, from our sport. Lord, we thank you for all those good things that you give us. But we know that compared with knowing you, they're they're nothing, they're temporary, they don't really satisfy Oh Lord, we pray that you'll touch our hearts, that you'll change our hearts, that you'll change our lives, and that you'll show us where our thirst can be satisfied. You can give us hunger for things that really matter. Oh Lord, we pray that you'll help Mark as he brings this part of your word and explains it to us. And we pray you'll help us. Lord, give us sharp ears. Give us a mind that wants to do what you're telling us to do, rather than sitting around doing what we think's best. Lord, you know each one of us. We need you. We pray that you will come and bless us. We pray you'll forgive everything that you know that's wrong about us. We pray that you'll make us sensitive to the things that are wrong about ourselves so we turn from them and back to you. Thank you that you hear our prayers. Be with us in this service, we pray. Amen. So we're going to sing again as we come to listen to God's word, it's right that we've got a sense that the King of Kings is speaking to us. So we should come with a sense of awe as we look forward to Mark bringing God's word to us. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing.
Well, we all know what it means to be hungry. Children learn it from a young age, don't they? You hear them say, I'm hungry. It means wanting or needing food. This week we had a YP meal out on Tuesday night and uh, by the time we actually got eating it was nearly 8 o'clock and for some of the poor YPs that's quite late for them. So they were very much thinking about food on the way there and while waiting in the restaurant. Made me laugh seeing the bulletin. It wasn't intentional but it says 6.30pm service. What are you hungry for? Refreshments after the service. Um, But we can be hungry for other things too, can't we? Uh, If you look up hunger in the dictionary, you'll get different definitions. So you might get this, having a strong wish or desire for something. A strong wish or a desire for something. Or this, having an an intense desire to achieve something. Having an intense desire to achieve something. Or simply, strongly motivated. Hunger. What are you hungry for? We talk, don't we, about people being hungry for success. Quite often hear that. Sometimes you talk about someone and you say they're power hungry. Some people might be hungry for love. Sometimes children are being a little bit naughty. And you might say, oh, they're being hungry for attention. Or maybe there's a journalist and they're hungry for details about the latest thing that's just happened. What are you hungry for? This might help you think about it if you're not sure. What do you want the most? What's the thing that's on your mind the most? Or this might help. What's the thing that you keep doing even when you're tired? Might help you think about what you're hungry for. Well, often, what we're hungry for often ends up leaving us a little bit empty One of the YPs came back from the meal on uh, Tuesday. It's an all-you-can-eat. And they came back saying, I'm hungry. I'm not quite sure how they managed to do that. Uh, But often we chase things, and we get it, and it leaves us feeling a bit hungry, a bit empty. Well, tonight we're going to see what Jesus was hungry for. And uh, what did he want above everything else? What was it that kept him going? And hopefully we'll learn from him. And hopefully our appetite for what he wanted will grow for the same thing as as what Jesus wanted. So Jesus, what is he hungry for? What is he hungry for? If you're writing notes, this is verses 31 to 34. 31 to 34. Well, his disciples are convinced that he needs food. He's just been on a long journey and he's tired. There were no trains, there were no cars back then. So he's done an awful lot of walking And it says earlier in John 4 verse 6, it says, Jesus was sitting beside Jacob's well, wearied as he was from his journey. So he's he's tired and the disciples are too. So the disciples go into town to buy some food and bring it back to him. And when they come back, they're obviously a bit worried about Jesus. It says the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Now you don't urge someone to eat unless you're a bit worried about them. If they really need food, then you might urge them to eat. Jesus was tired. He needed food. He must have been hungry. But it says in verse 32, Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? You can imagine them sort of looking around, did did you give him something? Or 
If someone passed by and handed him a picnic or something. No, that's not what has happened. Verse 34. Have, have a look actually at verse 34. This is a really key verse. So have a look at it if you can. John chapter 4 verse 34 and follow it as I read. Because this is a really key verse for tonight. So John chapter 4 verse 34. So this is what Jesus said to them. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I'll read it again. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now food is absolutely essential. It's what we need. It sustains us. It energizes us. It fuels us. And Jesus is saying, this is what I need. This is what's going to fuel me. This is what's going to energise me, doing what my Father has sent me to do. That's going to be my food. Completing the mission that his Father has given him, that's what Jesus is hungry for. What is his mission? Well, you find out elsewhere in the book of John. So John 3.16 and also verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. John 12 and the second half of verse 47. For I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. John 6 verses 37 and 38. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus' mission is to save the world. That's what he's come to do, and that's what his Father wants. That's what his Father sent him to do. And not just the Jews, the world. That's why he spent the last little while chatting with this Samaritan woman at the well. As Tony said, they hated each other, the Jews and the Samaritans. They'd go well out of their way, up to like 70 miles to avoid each other. There'd been tensions for centuries. It's partly why the disciples are so shocked to find Jesus chatting to this woman. She's literally the last person that they'd expect Jesus to chat to. In this culture, a man like Jesus, a sort of religious leader, would never chat to a woman, especially a Samaritan woman like that, about spiritual things. They just didn't do it. But as, as he so often does, Jesus just smashes through these man-made social barriers because Jesus is on a mission. Not just to save one nation, not just to save religious people, not just to save good people, but to save people all over the world. And he's just been sharing who he is, the good news, with this woman. And doing that has been his food. Even though he's tired, even though he's exhausted, hasn't eaten for a long time, he feels energised. He feels fulfilled. Because he's been doing the job that his father sent him to do. It reminded me of uh, when Jesus was in the desert. Do you remember that? With the first temptation. He's been fasting for 40 days already. So he's quite literally starving. And he's tempted to uh, make uh, bread rolls from rocks. Use his power to do that. But there was something, even in that moment, there was something that he hungered for more than bread. 
He said this, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the, the father's mouth. Is he listening to his father and doing what his father wanted, even in that moment, was more filling for him, more satisfying to him than food, even though he was starving. And you see, you quite often get this in Jesus' life, where he's going about and he's teaching and he's ministering to people and he's uh, healing people and he's proclaiming the good news. And he does it to the point of exhaustion. But he does it because he's proclaiming the good news. He's come into the world to rescue it. You know, doing God's work is often tiring. Many of you have done uh, camps or YP holidays or holiday Bible weeks or other events. The sort of events that you do and you get to the end of it and, uh, and you're exhausted. You're wiped out and you, you sort of feel like, I could, I could sleep for a week after that. And yet at the same time, it's often the experience that you come away from it feeling energised. And you feel fulfilled and you feel satisfied. You've been given a boost by serving. One of the things that I found so good to hear this year was about the, the connect work and the lighthouse work that went on this summer. And just the way that serving God together, doing his work and working with others, just gave everyone such a boost. It was so good to hear that. And that's a bit of a taster of what Jesus is experiencing here. His body needs food, but the thing that really gets him up and going, the thing that really fuels him, the thing that really energises him, is telling people that they can be part of his Father's kingdom. You know, spiritual nourishment doesn't just come from taking things in. So we can think, and rightly so, that you know, reading God's word is spiritual nourishment. Praying, listening to music can be, uh, Christian music especially, can be good spiritual nourishment. But you know, we're also spiritually nourished when we give. When we give to God. It does us good when we're obeying him and helping him complete his mission on earth. It does us good, it nourishes us. So that's Jesus. What about the disciples? What should they be hungry for? This is verses 35 to 38. So 35 to 38. But Jesus wants his kingdom to spread throughout the world. And he wants his disciples to join in the work that he's been given. He wants them to labour as well. He wants them to be labourers. And he uses picture language that he knows that they'll understand. Um, so he says, look at the fields. And look, you have this saying that, you know, it won't be harvest for another four months. The sowing's been done already. So now you just, you need to wait for it to grow. So you sort of sit back and you, you wait for it to grow. But look, lift your eyes, Jesus says. There's another harvest. And this harvest is ready to go. In fact, Jesus says, there's already someone harvesting it and they're, they're, they're getting fruit that's eternal, this eternal fruit, and they're rejoicing. This harvest isn't a harvest of wheat or a harvest of barley, it's a harvest of people. The disciples are to be labourers in this spiritual harvest where they're to go into the world and bring people, as it were, into the great barns of the kingdom of God. This is what they're to be hungry for. To join in Jesus' mission. Bringing people into the kingdom of God and glorifying God in the process. 
Jesus says, for here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. And others have laboured, others have laboured in sowing God's word. So the prophets have laboured, haven't they, in sowing God's word for centuries. And John the Baptist comes along and he sows God's word, preparing um, everyone for Jesus. And there's now a harvest that's ready to reap. And so Jesus is saying to the disciples, go and be labourers, go out there and reap the harvest, share the good news of the kingdom of God and reap a harvest of souls. Now, we may not be uh, disciples in quite the same way as Jesus' disciples were, but we're to be hungry for the same thing. He wants us to be labourers in his harvest. He wants us to be joining in his mission. He wants us to be doing the Father's will and his work. For the disciples, the physical harvest was four months away. For us, in three weeks' time, on October the 2nd, we've got a Harvest Family Service. And I'd really encourage you, bring family along, bring friends along, bring neighbours along, colleagues along. I'd really encourage you to do that. But you know, you don't have to wait till then. You don't have to wait three weeks. The harvest is ready now. Are you hungry for souls to be saved? Are you hungry for Jesus' kingdom to grow? Are you hungry to glorify the Father by your work on earth? You know, we don't always know whether we're the sowers or the reapers. God often uses more than one person to to bring a soul into his kingdom. You know, sometimes we can share Jesus with someone and... um, We can share words with them, uh, but we can also share our lives with them. And we can share how Jesus has changed our attitudes and our our thoughts and our actions. Sort of 3D Jesus. And yet we get no response whatsoever. And we can feel a bit like giving up. And then someone else comes along and they simply share Jesus. And that person's life is transformed and they're brought into the the kingdom of God. You know, we might be a, a sower... Or we might be the reaper. But you know, we can go out into that harvest with confidence. Knowing that the harvest is ready. And knowing that by joining in, we're joining in God's mission to save the world. This morning, we looked at Isaiah being commissioned uh, by God and And do you remember John saying, if you were here, just the privilege that it would be to be asked by the king, the great king, to serve him. It wouldn't just be, oh, do we have to? But it would be, yes, please, I'd I'd love to serve you. Is that how we're feeling as we're thinking about joining in Jesus' mission, serving the Father? Is that how we're feeling that we're excited, that we feel this sense of privilege to do it? But what about if the answer is no? What about if you say, frankly, no, I don't feel particularly motivated. I don't feel like doing that. Nothing in me feels excited. Well, I've got some tips which I hope will be helpful. Just in thinking, if you're not motivated, but you know you want to be, what might you do? Well, there's different things. Maybe you can think of other things to these things, but here's maybe a few helpful tips. One of them, remember that you've been saved. Remember that you've been forgiven. I thought of this particularly because we were thinking of Mary during the week and last Sunday and how she stayed at the tomb when others left. She had such a love for Jesus. And she had such a love for Jesus because she had been forgiven so much. 
And she knew that. And so her remembering how much she'd been forgiven gave her such love for Jesus. So remember that you're, you're saved, you're forgiven. Feed on his word. Read the Bible. So obviously, hopefully, it's great to see you here tonight. Hopefully you do it at home as well. Imagine if I, I said to you, um, randomly, I probably wouldn't do this, but imagine if I said, uh, so what meals did you have this week? And he said, oh, I uh, didn't have any meals this week, actually. And I said, oh, did you just snack? He said, oh, no, I didn't snack. I just kind of forgot, really. Well, you wouldn't do it, would you? I don't think anyone's done that, because it, we need food. It keeps us going. We feel weak without it. You know, God's word is more important than that. Without it, we get spiritually weak. And it's so easy, isn't it, to drift from day to day without reading it. I expect all of us have done it at some point. It's very easy to do. But I want to encourage you, read it. Pray. Probably expected me to say this one like the last one. But ask God to give you a spiritual boost. Ask him to warm up your heart to these things. Ask him for spiritual help in this, this area. What else? Another tip. Deal with guilt. Because guilt destroys joy. If you're feeling guilty, it will destroy any sort of motivation you have to live for Jesus and to want to tell others about him. So maybe the reason you're not feeling motivated and not feeling excited is because you're feeling guilty. Well, come to Jesus, who is the one that can cover over our sin. And those of you who are already believers as well, if you're not ready, get serving. Get serving. Serving was Jesus' food. Doing his Father's will uh, was his food. It was what energised him. You know, sometimes if you haven't eaten for a long time, long enough, you almost don't feel like eating, do you? And sometimes you need a little bit of food, and that little bit of food will then make you feel really hungry. You know, if you're not serving, get serving. And what you'll probably find is that actually the more you serve, the more hungry you are to serve, the more motivated you are to serve. So those are just a few tips. Maybe you can think of others. Well, just before Jesus left the earth, uh, we read in Matthew 28, right at the end of Matthew's Gospel, that he gives them the the Great Commission. It's kind of what he's just told them, uh, but a bit more. He says uh, this at Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. So just before he goes up to heaven, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You know, as we become disciples, we take on this mission too, of making other disciples, of then teaching them how to live uh, in God's kingdom. Are you hungry to do that? Well, lastly, let's look at the woman, the woman showing the way, the woman showing the way. Well, while Jesus has been saying these uh, things to the disciples, the woman has disappeared into the town. And as one person put it, the disciples took money into town to bring back food. The woman took her testimony into town to bring back people. So she goes into town 
to show people the way to Jesus. So she shows them the way to Jesus. But she's also showing the disciples what they should be doing. So what happens in verses 28 to 30. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. So right at this moment, while we've been discussing all those other things, there are people on their way to Jesus coming out of this town because of what this woman's said. And they're coming to see if this man really is the Christ, the Son of God. You know, we may be daunted by uh, sharing our faith. Sometimes we may feel that we're just not quite clever enough or not quite wise enough to be able to answer their questions and to convince people of who Jesus is. You know, often we don't need to be. You know, often we can do the same thing that, that this woman did. You can simply say to Jesus, uh, sorry, to people, come and see Jesus. I think he's the son of God. Come and see what you think. And it could be that you bring them to a service here. If they come to a service here, they should hear about Jesus. But it might also be uh, that you read a gospel with them. Maybe just you and them. Grab a coffee, maybe out somewhere, maybe at your home. And just say, do you want to read, read a gospel? Come and find out about who Jesus is. Come and read about him. See what he says for himself. Why don't we read it together and see what you think? Come and see if you think he's the Christ. The UCCF are a charity um, that work with Christian unions around the country. And um, they've been a massive blessing to me. I know they've been a blessing to some of the others here as well. And uh, they've published what they call um, Uncover Gospels. So they've done one for like Mark, one for Luke. And uh, yeah, it's called Uncover. And the basic idea of it is that it's a gospel, but in it they've got sort of notes and questions and things. And they're designed for you to read the Bible with someone else who doesn't really know the Bible. Um, and it gives you prompts to sort of chat about things that are quite important and little helpful sort of bits that explain maybe tricky bits. They're really useful. And in fact, the Luke version has see for yourself written across the front. That's quite good. See for yourself. That's the point. It's getting people to see for yourself Christ. Is he the Christ? And maybe there's someone that you think, yeah, maybe I could ask that person. Yeah, do you want to read the gospel with me? Find out who Jesus is. I believe he's the Christ. Why don't you see for yourself? Or maybe it might actually be that you're that person. It might be that actually you're that person thinking, well, is he the Christ? Maybe I can read a gospel and find out for myself. Maybe you can read with someone. If you've got someone to read with, great. If you don't know anyone, come and speak to us and we'll find someone to read a gospel with you. Maybe it'll help uh, you understand it a little bit. And... Um, If you're keen to have a copy of any of those Uncover Gospels, come and speak to me. I'll I'll happily buy one for you. Well, Jesus was so keen to share the good news of who he was and and the kingdom of God to do his Father's will that he forgot about his food. And the woman was so keen to uh, share this man that she had just met that she left her water thing behind, her water jar behind. And look at the harvest that the woman reaps. So this woman, she's only literally just met Jesus, barely knows anything really. This is verses 39 to 42. 
Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the saviour of the world. You see, we don't need to always be wise, don't need to be clever. Just bring them to see what Jesus says. He's the wise one. And people believe because of what he says, not because of what we say. This woman, all she's done is said, come and see. And she's already reaping the harvest. She's already displaying signs of true discipleship. The Samaritans know that they are saved because Jesus truly is the saviour of the world. And when Jesus, um, he's just about to die and he's got his famous prayer in John 17. And he says to his father, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus has completed his mission, bringing eternal life to all those who came to him. And now Jesus looks to us to carry on his work on earth. And as a church and as individuals, are we hungry to do that? Are we hungry to carry on his work? Is that even more important to us than than food, to do the will and the work of the Father? Well, I hope tonight has whetted your appetite to, to be involved in God's great mission of saving the world. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for sending Jesus into the world to save the world. And Lord, we thank you that Jesus willingly came. And Lord, that even when he was tired, even when he was hungry, Lord, his greatest desire was to see people saved and rescued and brought into your kingdom. And Lord, I thank you so much for that. And Lord, it is such good news that Jesus came to save the world because we are the world. Lord, many of us, most of us, if not all of us, are not Jews. And yet, Lord, we can be saved because Jesus came as the saviour of the world. And Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for anyone here who's not in your kingdom tonight. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that everyone who comes to you, you will not cast out. And Lord, for those of us who have been forgiven, those of us who have been rescued, Lord, I pray that we would join in your mission of sharing this good news, that we would say to people, come and see, this is the Christ, the Son of God. So Lord, help us in this, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing um, a song that I, I think you'll see why it links in.
Lord, I pray that you'd give us a passion for your glory and for your will to be done uh, more like Jesus. Lord, I pray uh, that you bless us now as we go away from here. Lord, I pray that your word would stay with us. And Lord, I pray that you'd keep us safe, uh, bless us through this week and bring us safely back together again next week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.